You're listening to Dramas Over Flowers with Saya, Anissa and Boroma. In this episode of What's Up in Drama Land, we're going to talk about, yep, Squid Game, which we watched for you. We'll take a whack at interpreting the causes of its explosive popularity across the entire universe. And we also want our cookies and backpats for performing this public service. And before we jump into the upcoming dramas of October, we also take a fun listener question that is not about Oppas. We're also trying something new on Patreon, which we think we might make a regular thing if you guys tell us you enjoy it. We've already got our Below the Line series of after-show, off-topic minisodes piling up nicely, but this time we're trying a pre-show live stream, where the topic derailment is the point. We might start with Soinguk, but who knows where we'll end? We certainly don't. Come and find out at patreon.com slash dramasoverflowers. Thank you as always, dear listeners and patrons, for pressing play and chortling along quietly or aloud. You are not alone. And now, on to the episode. Hi everyone, I'm Saya. I'm Anissa. And I'm Parma. Welcome to the October What's Up in Drama Land. So guys, what's been up? Uh, squid game, squid game, squid game, squid game. Yes, squid game has taken over the world. Uh, and you guys have finally started watching it, right? Resentfully, yes. extremely resentfully. <laughs> I still haven't. You know what's funny? Because in our last month's What's Up, we were really into this, obviously. We're like, you know, it's like liar game, but like on steroids. And then... Obviously, when stuff airs, sometimes you just fall behind because life. And by the time I was free enough, I was watching this like climb up the uh, trending top 10 in the UK. And I was just like, what do you mean it's at number two? I'm not sure this is quite right. <laughs> and then Barama was like, oh, no, this is, you know, Netflix's little algorithm tricks. They just sort of put it there. And, you know, do you want to explain that, by the way, P? Because I th- found that really interesting. Okay, okay, okay. So it's not it's not like cheating. What they do is when they really want to push a drama or a movie or something that has recently released, they will make mm. sure it's visible to everyone regardless. Like if with any hint that you have any interest in anything remotely related to this content and they will show it to you just to gauge if there's any interest squid game did have interest enough people were clicking into it that it started getting on the trending page and once it starts getting on the trending page then it's in everybody's recommendations at which point you can't help but have that drama start climbing and that's not detracting from how good squid game is by the way i'm just saying that it's something netflix does very deliberately yeah they also have that like feature where it autoplays something else when you're done watching Mm. a show they also have that thing that new feature where you can say tell netflix to play something yeah like and it just picks for you so i mean there's a lot of ways where they can like push things that they're promoting uh, that are new yeah but i agree like i think all three of us have this thing where like if something gets too popular <laughs> and we oh. don't want to watch it anymore or read it anymore. Like I, I definitely, I was one of those kids. The number of times I have started Squid Game and then within like a few minutes, I've just clicked away. It's just the intro starting and I'm clicking away. I don't know what it is, but I just can't. <laughs> I haven't been. I will though. I will, but like just not right now. I'm so glad you guys have started though. I have a theory. Shall I? share it yes what's your theory yes put on your tinfoil hat (laughs) well I've been thinking about I've been thinking about this since we had that conversation of why are we feeling so resistant to watching it now that it's like trending number one in like every country in the universe 
And I realize that it's not necessarily snobbery. I think that part of it is that I feel like if I do it, it's in some way doing it because everyone else is doing it. And I don't like to engage in things simply because everyone's doing it. If I were to do that, am I then not being critical about it anymore? And I think, especially as someone who's sort of been countercultural my whole life, the idea of just sort of rolling down the hill with everybody when usually I'm the one sort of crawling up it is uncomfortable. Listen, I was a punk teenager, so I 100% agree with you. I was actually thinking countercultural, and then you said it. It's like that instinct. The instinct is always to like be an individual and like have your own opinions and come to your own conclusions about things. But to do things intentionally, right? Yeah, even if it's hard and not everybody else is on the same page with you. It feels weird when everybody else is like, yeah, this niche thing that you thought was cool, we all think it's cool too. And you're like, wait. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm also just like uh, very suspicious of popular movements. Yes, yeah. And have you had like random people who never watch K-dramas be like, have you watched this show that is on Netflix? I want to like kimchi slap these people it's just that's so weird because i have been expecting this sort of avalanche of people saying oh by the way have you seen this show because you know for the people who know that i do k-drama stuff they're generally highly critical of k-dramas like overall but there's been quite an odd silence i'm a little bit like i don't know what's happening here they surely have heard of it i know they've heard of it because it's like everywhere it was on the front page of the guardian it was like there isn't anywhere that it isn't but they haven't said anything I'm waiting for them to come out with the, oh, I watched that (laughs) Korean show of yours. (laughs) It's probably going to end up getting an Emmy or something. See, I I hear your counterculture theory and like my own theory for myself is just that I've always kind of like anytime anybody's expected something from me, I I run away. (laughs) And I think this kind of falls absolutely into that category where I'm expected to do this thing. And I'm like, I don't want to leave me alone. We had this conversation earlier in the week where like, I texted you guys and I was like, we have to watch Squid Game, don't we? And we have to watch it now. Because, you know, we have a K-drama podcast. If we're not talking about Squid Game, then why do we exist, right? Right, exactly. That's, that's true. We, oh, I had this this lovely exchange with uh, someone on, I think it was Twitter or Instagram. Oh, Instagram. Instagram story about how I'm expected to watch Squid Games and it's like <laughs> messing with my head. And they were like, well, haven't you watched it? <laughs> like, And I'm like, I, well, I guess I have to because, you know, I have the podcast recording. And she's like, well, since I'm a normal person. I don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, let's talk about, since Barma hasn't, didn't have a chance to watch it yet, uh, Sai and I are going to record a little, like, episodes one to three, Spoiled Yak, right after we finish this. It's a wild yak. Is it a wild it's yak? It's a wild yak. <laughs> all these wild yaks running around. They're all wild yaks now. <laughs> They're all wild now. Yeah. yeah. So we'll talk about the, we'll talk about the actual plot and our first impressions of the show itself. But, like, let's talk about why we think that it's this particular drama that has become the biggest show in the world. Because, I mean, I feel like eventually a drama was going to become big. Like, maybe not. We didn't expect it to become this big. But, you know, like, we saw Crash Landing on You two years ago. It was it was pretty big. But that was still kind of niche in its bigness. Yeah, it was niche, but it was big in a lot of... Uh, a lot of people discovered K-dramas through that. It's kind of become like this new generation of K-drama fans, boys over flowers. A lot of people or a lot of women... A lot of people. Women I mean, are people too. Women are. <laughs> no, I mean, like, specific. No, because I'm thinking, like, the appeal of Squid Game is sort of 
it crosses that border of, you know, K-dramas are for women, that sort of idea that this is women's stories and therefore men kind of, not all men, (laughs) hashtag, (laughs) but like, but you know, that idea that, oh, you know, Mm. this is girly stuff. Whereas Squid Game is kind of more in the parasite zeitgeist and you know, TV for men, that kind of thing. Like it's not, Squid Game is not typical of what you imagine a K-drama to be generally, although many caveats with that particular statement as well. I I know what you're saying. It's not so much the four women thing, but like the feminine taste versus like the non-feminine universal taste, which right. something like Parasite slots right into. Um, mm. And yeah, maybe. I mean, it's certainly something like the mostly, you know, romantic K-dramas like Crash Running on You or even King Eternal Monarch. These were heavily recommended to people who were watching other, you know, Netflix series of yeah. the romantic genre. Whereas Squid Game can be universally practically uh, recommended. So from that perspective, that is probably why it spread as fast as it did. Like no matter what you were watching, if you were an adult and watching stuff on Netflix, you were getting recommended Squid Game. And it's not like these types of show. I mean, Squid Game is is a little unique in some ways but it's not like there were no Korean thrillers or like time travel or anything like that it's just that in the beginning when Netflix started acquiring K-dramas they were operating from that perspective of like most of them are rom-coms and they were acquiring a lot of rom-coms even Mm. like really crappy terrible rom-coms like Panda and Hedgehog like why does that show exist oh my god (laughs) why did I watch the whole thing Um, and so like because the only shows that they had early on were these romantic K-dramas even people who watched K-dramas and Netflix thought that they were those are the only ones that existed if they hadn't been in the fandom for a long time whereas now they've acquired you know like I don't know about in other countries but in the US they added Signal pretty recently they added Misang pretty recently they've started adding more you know like stuff like Prison Playbook the Reply you series are so late like this stuff yeah. has been yeah. on, on Indian Netflix for like more than it's a been year on UK Netflix for ages <laughs> well, but, as well but, but the way that for American audiences at least and I'm wondering if this is also true for like Canada and I guess not Europe because you're saying that it's been on European or like UK Netflix but like there was kind of this bifurcation for American audiences between like the romantic stuff going on Netflix and a lot of the more genre stuff being on like Vicky and I think that's changing a little bit that's been Mm -hmm. true for years and even until I think until um, late 2019 the stuff on Netflix was kind of just sad (laughs) so if anybody knew I was doing uh, K-drama stuff and they would be like hey did you know there was K-drama on Netflix I would be like like, yes, but it's not my quality. Right. Like, <laughs> it was just very few shows yeah. and not very good like if shows. You want, if you want yeah. to watch K-drama, you don't go to Netflix. And exactly. that has only been changing exactly. very recently. Yeah, about a year right. and a half, I would say. And then they started like putting in like basically anything you want, 70% of it is probably going to be on Netflix. And the rest, hopefully on Wiki or IG. <laughs> but. You know, it's interesting because we've been following this whole Netflix thing for quite a long time now. I think mm. ever since the beginning mm. of this podcast. And we've speculated a lot on what it could mean for K-dramas to have Netflix both as a distributor and as a producer Production of, house, yeah. yeah, exactly, of K-dramas. And I feel like Squid Game really answers a lot of the questions that we had in the past as well. Like, yeah. what would a K-drama look like that was created with a global audience in mind, for example? Mm. And it's interesting because you also look at the ways that Squid Game departs from um, network TV K-dramas, like domestic mm. K-dramas, because this didn't, uh, Squid Game is a Netflix only 
Like it's a Netflix show. It is not available on any of the TV channels in Korea. If you want to watch mm. this, you have Netflix. So I feel like there's definitely, we haven't finished the show yet, but it can definitely feel those questions being answered. And I'm not sure how I feel about them yet, but we'll mm. see. But yeah, you would never see Squid Game on regular TV. Absolutely not. Because like, it's not way even too on OCN. violent. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's got too much swearing. It's got too much, you know, violence. Mm. But it's, it's not just, not just that. We know that the writer has been trying to get this show to become a reality for like almost a decade. And he's faced Since so much rejection. Yeah. yeah. So for Netflix to take it up, I mean, it, it's become a situation in India also. Okay. Like we have like TV shows on Netflix and on Amazon that would just never, ever air on TV. People, like writers have been trying to get these scripts go live, but they've been rejected over and over again. It's only when these spaces came in, especially mm -hmm. Netflix, that it's suddenly like there is this bold courage to try new scripts, mm -hmm. try new stories. And like in many ways, it relies on the global audience for its success. Yeah, yeah like this isn't absolutely. made necessarily for a domestic audience. It's made for pretty much anybody in the entire universe this, this who can access Netflix. A, 9 uh, nine p.m. Like, this is not a primetime audience mm. dependent type creation. Yeah. And also, like, not to mention that, like, it's difficult to make genre dramas succeed with a domestic audience. And I think we find that with all of the ones that we've seen in the past is that you can have this high concept drama and then you will have things like budget limitations. I mean, remember, like, for example, shows like Circle, which mm. was an incredible show, but really went so underrated domestically but the audience for it wasn't domestic the audience for it ended up being like completely the, international. the international audience exactly but i think also like the moment that we're in right now also makes a difference because um i was reading that uh in one of his interviews the director of squid game said that when he was when he first came up with a story in uh 2008 he received a lot of pushback against this idea of creating such a such a brutal and you know like murderous uh, story that revolves around like children's games like it was seen to be really inappropriate by everyone who he talked to mm. um but now Korean audiences are like yeah this is quite realistic yeah, because we are living in you know that the economic situation right <laughs> you know that that people are in right now you know like the the lack of jobs the high incidence of debt like people are struggling a lot you know all over the world but like they definitely are in korea and so like it is a korean story in that sense and people really you know there are a lot of people who resonate with that mm -hmm. and it's a it's about a global story just kind of in the way that parasite was also universal yeah. and particular and at the same time i think yeah yeah. And here's the thing. We're talking about domestic versus international audience. However, the content is very, very Korean. It's not oh, like yeah. the content is becoming um, like it's not vying for international um, attention and changing itself, which is what primarily people worried about, that we love mm -hmm. Korean dramas because they're Korean created stories that sources its uh, plots from like their internal struggles and all of that. We loved it because it was their creation. We didn't want it to change and become something else trying to get more, be, be more appealing to the international um, viewers. And Squid Game is definitely not that. I mean, mm -hmm. the game itself is just, I mean, you have to know a little bit. I mean, it, it's, it's so rooted in Korean society. The struggle is so rooted in Korean society. And yeah, my point is like if you since like our original worry was will K dramas change as 
the audience for it becomes more global and until now at least we can't really blame Netflix for that kind of a trend that is not what they're doing with these shows yeah as you were speaking i realized the thing that mainly struck me about the difference between squid game and perhaps like other shows that we watch but also it's part of a trend that while it's less like the greater body of the K-dramas we watch, I think it has moved closer to being like K-film. Like oh, yeah, it's much more like Korean films than it is like standard Korean TV fare. They're much more like that sort of polished product of the Korean film industry rather than something that would have been produced for mass consumption on TV. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this a little bit when we were discussing DP and The Last Long Yak, too, where there is Netflix allows this kind of cross-pollination between the tone and aesthetics of Korean drama and the tone of a- and aesthetics of Korean film, mm-hmm. which have, like, historically been very different and kind of in their own boxes yeah. just because of, like, you know, for example, TV, uh, you know, broadcast rules and standards and regulations and who that, that TV audience has historically been and who that's expected to be versus Korean film, which tends to be like much darker, much more brutal, um, really stylized, you know, just like a different tone. And that's not mm-hmm. to say that like various genres don't exist. Obviously they do. And there's like indie film and there's blockbusters, but it's just, they've kind of been in their own playground. Yeah, it's kind of this hybrid format, right? Yeah. And now they've, there's a lot more uh, crossover, I feel, yeah. because this is like a kind of a space where you could do both or you could do either, or you can do, you know, you don't mm-hmm. have to be tied to like 16 episodes or 20 episodes or 24 episodes that come out on this two episodes a week format. And don't forget, like it hasn't been very long that we've had pre-produced K-dramas either, right? So it was even like the filming structure was totally different where you have films that are like so pre-produced and take a long time to make, whereas TV was, you're lucky if you get half of it done before you start airing. So it's like the animals were so different. Yeah. And now they've... (laughs) (laughs) I keep making weird animal analogies. I was waiting to see where this went. (laughs) (laughs) They've interbreeded now. I don't know. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Too many livestock analogies. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, this is exactly it, right? It's sort of this hybridized form of, yeah, a a drama meets and marries a film and they have this child. (laughs) But Korean media is particularly good at hybridity anyway yes you know you see yeah. that in k-pop you see that in k-drama you see that in korean film too like they're already primed because there hasn't ever been this like rigid thing of like oh mm. no this is only a romance oh this is only a police yeah. drama yeah. like so people are willing to experiment with like mixing things up and ha- mm. you know having a rap ballad yeah. you know like <laughs> just do but it but then as you say not being constrained by the formats that tv kind of demands It then gives you the ability to tell a story in the time that you need to tell it, which may, in this case, be nine episodes, which is just not an episode count of the standard K-drama, right? Mad for each other, which fell off a cliff, but it was 13 episodes. (laughs) And I was like, this is a strange number, but okay, you do you. And apparently Netflix was also like, yeah, you do you, you know? So yeah, I mean, Netflix has its restrictions in uh, in weird things like subtitling. Oh God. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. (laughs) Yeah, but... I mean, in terms of creative freedom that the directors and writers are getting, I mean, come on, I don't think. They're, yeah, they're pretty much getting uh, a free pass to be like, you know what? Tell us your story. Tell it how you want to tell it. Here's the money. See you later. Yeah, which is pretty great, honestly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Great. And um, if you want to read some really smart things written by our really smart friends about Squid Game, 
We have our friendly tenant who wrote Equality and Equity in Squid Game about the social issues that Squid Game talks about. And our friend Kay Fangirl also wrote a really great Dear Kay Fangirl post about why Squid Game has has become so popular. Um, And so we'll link both of those pieces in the description so you can enjoy them as much as we did. We didn't even talk about the dubbing. We can talk about that in in our wild yak. Yeah, definitely. Um, Okay, so... Before moving on to upcomings, we have a listener question that we wanted to talk about. Uh, This one was submitted by Deepa. Hi, Deepa. Thank you for the question. Uh, The question goes, does the age of the actor affect the level of your fangirling in any way? When it has and when it hasn't. Not really. I I mean, I find sometimes, I do find myself surprised sometimes when an actor looks super young and then I find out he's like 30 (laughs) or, um, or like, Sometimes it's the other way around, but it's like, you know, sometimes when the roles that an actor has played are different from their actual age in such a surprising way and and because they look either ageless or, or, you know, mature in whatever way, like you're, when you find out how old they actually are, you're like, oh, I'm even more impressed um, by your acting skills, but I don't think like it affected my fangirling. Um, but I've also never had the experience of being like totally in love with an actor and then finding out they're underage. So that mm. might be a different experience for other people. Yeah, I feel like the way that I think of actors and stuff is very kind of distanced. Mm. That There's a certain, you know, that sort of that teenage kind of obsession. And I just, I, I'm not... I don't think I'm in that place anymore. It's more like, do I enjoy this mm. actor in this role? Have I enjoyed this actor's interviews? It's all very kind of, you know, I, I know there's a wall and I, I definitely have a lot of distance. The actor character divide. Yes. And I like the projects and definitely there are actors uh, I enjoy, some more than others. <laughs> <laughs> we know. <laughs> <laughs> but like, no, I don't think age, is, age hasn't really played a big role in that. Although I have noticed that I sometimes, and perhaps this is due to the characters that I like, like there are more young actors that I like than older ones. But to be that's fair, because Ramaland has more young actors because the older one keeps going to true, the movies. True, true. And they're always playing crown princes. And I'm just like, you know, if you want to get me, that's how you get me with crown princes. Uh, <laughs> Tortured so crown princes. has got your number. Yeah. <laughs> they know me too well. <laughs> yep. But like, I'm always ready to drop them if, you know, they turn bad. That's not a very Fair positive enough. note Fair to enough. end on. But Well, we have reason to, you know, <laughs> put that caveat in. Um, so when we talk about age, um, I just, I, I know that most of our listeners already know this, but we are specifically talking about like, um, we don't have that issue where like we have to worry about liking uh, a character that's underage because as I have very correctly pointed out, we are no longer in that space where we fangirl to the point of being like, oh my God, what is this actor like in real life? <laughs> he touched me. He looked at me. Ah, <laughs> that glance through the camera was meant purely for me. I, uh, To be fair, I've never been in that space, but like now that the opportunity is forever gone. It, I just don't know. <laughs> Yeah, but um, yep. but the thing is that we have often talked about what why uh, some of us like I really like Nuna romances. Uh, Anissa's like the uh, like the one on the other end of the spectrum. She likes them, but not as much as I do. Um, <laughs> we all have our own uh, distinct tra- you know uh, taste for tropes and all of that stuff. But to be very clear, 
none of us have that issue where we are not really looking at these actors by their age if they are playing a character that's mature and the character comes off as mature we'll probably just end up liking the character and like anisa pointed out there are actors like ej work or hwang in your who they play schoolboys but they are in their late 20s early mm. 30s and you can't tell at which mm. in which case i mean it's we are not even thinking of it as like oh we we'll like schoolboys because hey, they i mean the fact that the actors are in their late 20s and early 30s it kind of like excuses you if your mind goes there but our mind doesn't go there like mm. or with ej ok actually it was the opposite he played a much older actor when i first saw him uh, and then i found young. out that he was a lot younger than yeah. i than i thought and i was shocked so yeah it's just the skill there's also like there are actually just very young actors for example like namdaram who i really like but there's it's mm. not kind of he's a baby he is a baby but it's also that sense of like i'm a, like at best i'm a nuna and mm. you know most of the time an i'm auntie? like an auntie <laughs> exactly <laughs> i'm like you are like my nephew <laughs> And so, also, you're like, oh, yeah. you're so cute. Exactly. Yeah, it's like that. It becomes like that kind of <laughs> to, to be fair, fangirling. To be fair, Deepa didn't specify what kind of liking. So, like, if you're talking yeah, about purely, that's why we're defining just, it. <laughs> exactly. But if you're talking about purely liking, as in, like, do you like this actor's? Of course, we we would like any uh, mm. actor whose character is like makes us like them. I guess. At the same time, though, I find that. Sometimes when I look into actors like their personal lives and stuff I'm like okay I actually don't want to know more I don't <laughs> because I want to preserve the character because what I love is the character right mm. and real life and real people aren't necessarily always going to live up to that and and they don't need to Yeah they don't it's, need to exactly Yeah they're doing their job we're enjoying watching them as long as they don't do something truly horrible that you know yeah. ruins everything yeah um, kind of pushes to... their personal life into uh, our yes. like pieces mm. and here here look this is what we did in our... i don't want to know i don't want to know please don't <laughs> do things that i have to know about please yeah and i just want to add a caveat to my earlier answer where it doesn't matter i would say like compared to when i first started watching k-dramas 10 years ago I do think I have a much greater appreciation for older actresses um mm. than I did when I first started. You know, when I first started, I was in my 20s, I was still in college. I related a lot more to um the younger heroines, the kind of ingenue like candy type, you know, like they're like around 20 or 22 or and I still watch dramas about women in their 30s who are dealing with workplace issues and all kinds of stuff. All the stuff that you deal with in your 30s, right? Family stuff. friendship stuff but i didn't relate to it in the same way mm. and so i didn't enjoy those stories and i didn't appreciate those actors yeah. as much mm. and now um the the level of love that i have for someone like kim hesu or um now that i have to say their names i can't remember any <laughs> of them but like you know all these amazing actors in their 30s and 40s who mm. play these incredible women who now that i'm also at that stage in my life i can just love them in a different way yeah. mm. um i think that has changed yeah you saying that has made me realize that i also have like a special affinity for the actors in which i also include actresses who are like my age or thereabouts because it's like you get me i get you where we're like we're cool yeah <laughs> we're chingu mm. yeah exactly <laughs> It's just no, also why I really love Shinmina. <laughs> ah, 
Dumb you bought it. Oh, uh, Shin Minog. You need any reason to love Shin Minog except it's that it's true. Shin Minog, it's true, but, but it's yeah. just one more thing that makes it like cool. But I also Absolutely. feel like I've grown up with her in, in dramas. Like, right. I mean, she, she was slightly older than me. She is slightly older than me, a uh, few years older than me. But it's just that I, I've seen her since what? Arang, was it? Or was, no, I think my girlfriend um, is Kumiho was the yeah. first one. And then Arang. And it's like from there and then the movies she's done. And then, I mean, she's probably one of the only actors whose movies I, I sought out and watched. Because she could just, she's a really talented actress. She's and really of good. course, she's gorgeous. Yeah. But then she's grown. And then she is in her 30s right now. and We're I aging mean, together. I, we're aging together. <laughs> right. I feel the connection. And, um, yeah. I mean, this this is real fangirling. Yeah. Um, th- this is the kind of connection that I don't feel with most um, male actors because, yeah, you're fine, but like this girl, she she knows what life is like, <laughs> right? Or even someone like Pakshane, who is a little younger than us, but mm. or, or at least than me. But you've kind of, like you said, kind of grown up with her. Like she started out yeah. in those like really young, kind of cute roles, like you're beautiful and. Um, what else did she do? But a lot of stuff. I mean, she was a child actress, mm-hmm. right? But when I first met her, she was doing your beautiful heartstrings, that kind of stuff, like youth dramas. And then now she's like to see her career trajectory and she's getting really different roles and like interesting roles and in movies and in dramas. Like it, it's like you feel, I don't know, you feel a certain type of way. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So that that was our answer, Deepa. It might not have, have been very cohesive, but that's that's where our minds at. And uh, we hope uh, you kind of got enjoyment out of listening. <laughs> okay, uh, so now moving on to upcoming in October. You're really excited about this one. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited about this one. I am too. <laughs> the first drama is The King's Affection. It's going to start airing on 11th October. It's a Monday Tuesday drama and it'll be available on Netflix and it's a KBS2 production. Okay, so these are 20 episodes. They are really making it very clear that it'll be a long-term commitment. <laughs> and they're 70 minutes each. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> brace yourselves. Um, though, I mean, listen, 70 minutes of watching uh, Park Bin and Rowan, I think I'll be okay. I like how our endurance for this, so- this is a very standard <laughs> drama length, but our endurance for it has gone down so much over the uh, past year. <laughs> so sad. Yeah, it, it, it truly has. Like, I mean, something like Hospital Payless, again, is an exception. I was fine with the length, but it truly is an exception. I get so tired by the end of most drama episodes. <laughs> also, Hospital Playlist was not 70 minutes. It was never, it was like, it was like 90, 90 minutes. minutes. 100 minutes, two hours. But they like, think it's anyway. two short episodes to get stitched together. Okay, I mean, you got to give them credit. <laughs> okay, all right. Okay, we're not doing, uh, we're not re-litigating. We spent 20 minutes arguing about hospital playlists on the back. Well, well kind of just one last note to seal this argument is that I haven't watched a hospital playlist, but in Vincenzo, every one of those minutes was worth it. Anisa, as I yes, I I said that yeah, I agree. So so, so yes. I guess that means I won, Borama. Th- that's that's the conclusion. Saya's <laughs> on my I side. I didn't know I was doing that. <laughs> I feel betrayed. <laughs> but again, I guess to Saya's point, 
certain casts and certain stories um sort of give us more patience with this kind of length and then make us feel like it's not long enough which did happen with Vincenzo yeah, yeah. and it's like so personal which which stories and what kind of stories mm-hmm. you want True. to do that with right I really hope that this is one of the stories where it, it makes it worth the 70 minutes because I remember that by the time uh, we had passed the midway of um, Moonlight what was it called? Moonlight Drawn Moonlight by Clouds by but it's right. official like Netflix name is Love in the Moonlight or something it's so confusing I, man yes. Just Moonlight Drawn by Clouds is yeah. lovely um, <laughs> it is even though I forget it every time I, <laughs> so well, like I could watch Park Hogam and Kim Yoo Chan for quite a bit however um, after the midpoint it got really tiring for me to draggy. watch like yeah draggy for me to watch that length and that was again one of those 20 episodes it wasn't the length it was the story because it went for fan service rather than plot but different topic right different topic yes <laughs> okay so speaking of the story like what's the premise of this one Parma? right so the premise which fingers crossed they execute well um, is when the crown princess consort gives birth to twins the twins are considered an ominous sign and the order is sent to kill the daughter to save her she's secretly sent out of the palace this daughter is uh, the grown-up version is Park Yun-bin a few years later the twin son Ihui dies due to a disease to hide her twin son's death the mother brings back the daughter Park Yun-bin and raises her as Prince Ihui Ihui eventually becomes a crown prince Fearing that her real identity will be revealed, Evie is unable to have anyone close to her. She's sharp-tongued and hides her emotions from others. Despite that, she starts developing feelings for Jung Ji-woon, which is Rowan, her teacher who comes from a noble family. It's like one of those noble family scholarly types. Hmm. I didn't have to insert that. <laughs> <laughs> Jung but Ji-won. I mean, you said that and I knew exactly what you meant. <laughs> right? <laughs> With a hat and everything. A young man. <laughs> yeah. Zhang Jiwon yeah. is a teacher from uh, the Crown Prince Shikangwon, a government office for the sole purpose of educating Crown Princes. He is described as a handsome man who is bold, persevering and tenacious, but also tends to take life as it comes and lives free from worldly concerns as an optimist who enjoys life. Okay, this is like a super positive character. <laughs> but also, how many crown princes are they educating at a time? I mean, usually with uh, with these kind of things, there would be multiple princes at least. I mean, they really but should have said like education of prince. Cr- so it should have been educating princes, not like just the crown prince. It doesn't well, make- I mean, the crown prince can die at any time, right? So you could have multiple a crown prince of princes. Li- you know, but if they had exactly, that they're... many options, would would they be bringing back the girl twin to replace the? I mean, they That's would true. if the mother really wanted the mother her own would. child. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. exactly. Okay, so just to finish this off, um, <laughs> as a son of a government official in the Sahonbu, an investigative government office, his future seemed clearly set out for him. However, there was a reason that he chose to go his own path and leave the easy road behind. Oh, so he was not meant to be a teacher, a tutor to the king, uh, crown prince. Is what I'm getting from this. This is adapted from a manhwa, and uh, the writer's last time was clean with passion for now. Um, okay, which was also a webtoon adaptation. So it, it, I it guess was okay. This it means was. the screenwriter has some experience in adapting webtoons. Yeah. To be fair, it was supposed to be a pretty uh, faithful adaptation. And okay, now, now I just quickly want to do a bit of a tangent and talk about Park Yun-bin's interview um, where she basically just said like, I put everything aside to take on the king's affection because when else am I, I might get a chance to you know do historicals later on, but when again am I going to be offered the role of the king? And, <laughs> you know, 
Fair point. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty. Yeah. We went from Mr. Queen to Miss King, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, slightly yeah. different, but yeah. But yeah, again, I really like this premise. The only thing, my only fear is that if the story ends with her like revealing that she's a woman and becoming a queen and everybody being okay with it, that would completely break the conceit of the original story. And I don't know how that Well, worked. I don't know how she's meant to get away with being a fake man her whole life. So this is actually something that is kind of historically, like there have been stories like this in history. I can't bring in the right one in my head right now, but I have heard of stories where you have had like female descendant because the... Basically, the palace didn't want to admit that the child was female and there were no other heirs. So the child was basically trained to hide their gender and, and you know, brought up as a male to become the crown prince. This has happened. I have to find out which one I'm talking about because I know this is like a real story. So precedence, I guess. But that is not because they have started this story off with a romance angle already present. And if she's to have like a happily ever after by the end of the story, she'll have to reveal her gender, one assumes. Mm -hmm. And it's also just like the the whole premise of these secret identity dramas, like from a storytelling perspective, is that there is kind of this implicit understanding that eventually that secret is going to come out because that's kind of the whole point of the story. If it never comes out, then... You know, like, yeah, of course, people yeah. are not. Yeah, like it's not going to be an enjoyable story that the, that's where the tension comes from. Mm-hmm. Also, um, these kind of stories usually are about be your true self, which in this case is a woman. Don't hide yourself. So, yeah, yeah. unless it's going to have a tragic ending, which, uh, you know, it's a saga. So it's it always doesn't possible. seem like that kind of drama. I mean, it has reward. <laughs> so I mean it's like if somebody cast Chaonyu and you were like is this gonna be he's your, he's your anti-tragedy yeah. failsafe it's Rowan Rowan's in it I mean think about it if if and actually I was thinking this kind of character Chaonyu would have been a pretty good fit too <laughs> he has experience <laughs> but he's, he'd also end up True. being a bit typecast wouldn't he playing yeah the, yeah yeah but, poor boy he's yeah. trying yeah. to do something different so I'm looking forward to his next drama okay so is Rowan a bit overrated though I yeah, absolutely. I, find. <laughs> I, I mean I don't love him. I don't hate him, but I don't love him. <laughs> he's really cute. But overrated. It's just he's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, all the Rowan lovers. He's just extremely adorable. He's like very adorable. Mm. Like he's not one of those people on my list of like actors to watch that I'm really mm. in awe of their talent. But I also just smile every time I see his face yeah. because he just has that kind of face. So I'm I'm not mad. He does earnest. In in like a, a really <laughs> gripping oh, way. Do you know what just suddenly occurred to me that I would who I would rather see in this role? Who? Kim Kyung Nam. You know the guy from The King, the one who plays the um. Oh, what's his? Yeah, her partner, yeah. the heroine's partner, the detective. Oh, oh, ooh. I love him. Yeah, that right. Be, uh, With yeah. Pugin, you, know, you know the the only good part of Fox Bride Star yes. yeah. slash Where Stars Land. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the only boy. part of that worth. Pers- oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We love him around here, so. I would watch anything with him. Yeah. So that's a pairing I would I would say yes to in the future, him and Pug and Bin. That would actually look great. Because Rowan actually, I mean, during the trailer, watching the trailer, I kept thinking that Pug and Bin, I totally... I feel like he's a bit limited. I, see, I, I think he learned to flex himself quite well in uh, She Would Never Know slash... Oh, I didn't watch that. Okay. Somebody, Somebody don't put, put on, on that, that lipstick. lipstick. <laughs> yeah. 
but it's like he he got a lot of emotional scenes and i thought he got like the range pretty well but the thing is that there is a certain amount of optics that comes into this stuff and he just looks so <laughs> the word that comes to my mind is like i, I don't know like cartoonishly pretty especially in sagukya okay that actually sounds insulting not not complimentary at all that's not what i mean <laughs> but no but he he is very manhwa esque manhwa yes that's which was why you. he worked so well as haru he's yeah. always going to be haru yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. cuz he works he was so perfectly cast in extraordinary you mm. but i feel like this is also a manhwa adaptation it's not the kind of like capital s serious saga that like would probably end in tragedy it's more like uh fusion comedy yeah. romance no i i completely yeah. agree but which is why putting him next to park yun bin someone who has that serious face for like a serious mm. saga and she's got such great gravitas as well she she, she does. does yeah which is why watching the trailer i was like this is in my head it's like a tonal mismatch right exactly that's what was happening it was a bit yeah, discordant you're right well, which is why i'm, I'm like, voting for kim kyung nam <laughs> <laughs> Too late, sorry. Too late. <laughs> Nobody asked me otherwise I'd have told them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But this is what we have and I'm still excited to see I'm it. I'm seriously so. excited about it. I mean, I <laughs> yeah. I want to see a story where, you know, because there are a lot like you you have fake crown princes all the time. I mean, maybe not in K-dramas necessarily, but I've been reading and watching fantasy fiction since like I was a baby. So, it happens all the time in stories, okay? <laughs> It's time like you had like a the female crown prince being fake and hiding her identity. Yeah, it's kind of like the reverse of the uh the one that L was doing. Was it Ruler Master? I'm saying L, it was a using a drama. <laughs> um Ruler Master of the Mask. No, no, no. I'm thinking of um Yojingu in the cloud the crown, crown, the crown, crown clown, yeah See, well, i'm thinking of both of those shows <laughs> yeah where they've got like you know this other person playing the royal role the mad king well it's yeah. it's basically the prince and the pauper but instead it's with you know a different it's not a doppelganger it's the twin sister of you know the guy who they want to replace very catnipy yeah and you often do have these kind of stories where you know like the primary crown prince has um been like they died or something happened and then a secondary person who's unprepared for the role is brought in like i have read this story mm-hmm. a lot and it's very classic yeah. trope yeah yeah and i have like my favorites in the genre but it tell me about them after please <laughs> yes, I will. There is a book recommendation that I've been pushing for so long. So, oh my god! Um, okay, yeah. tell me after. Okay, <laughs> um, and 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 that is what is very interesting because you have like this pre- character who's not prepared, but they have to pretend that they are prepared because they have stepped into the shoes of a person who has been trained their entire life. So it's like a really interesting dynamic right there mm-hmm. and then uh, in this drama you have the secondary dynamic of a tutor who's watching you very closely and seems to kind of instinctively understand that you are not who you're pretending to be mm-hmm. um and you have like romantic interest in them so that's that's just complicates the matter <laughs> a yeah, lot. the reason that I'm... oh it was also a teacher student romance we didn't even realize <laughs> yeah. sorry <laughs> the, the reason i'm a little bit skeptical about the drama even though it is like all of these tropes that i absolutely like love is having watched the trailer it seems like they're really leaning into a very typical expression of uh like the romance is the main thing and you know all of the i'm a little bit bored of that sort of getting into their face and 
the mm. I can tell you're a woman and that kind of yeah it does kind of give me those moonlight drawn by clouds vibes a little too you know I was actually thinking of splish splash love I just find that particular expression a little bit uh, I've seen it before I, I'm more interested in the politics and the bigger picture and how she deals with all the other stuff and I just don't want it to be only a romance mm. I and her life agree. and like her journey about who she's yeah. gonna become Exactly. It's way more interesting. How interesting is it to think that she has to be like aware and distrustful of everyone around her all the time because she is unprepared. She doesn't have the information she needs, but she has to show like this confident facade to be the crown prince because Mm -hmm. she's stepping into a twin brother's shoes. I, yeah, I really like this concept for Park Yun Bin. It's the Rowan angle that I'm a little uh, about. (laughs) But I think she might actually be prepared because I don't know. This might just be like the the way that the summary is written, but it seems like she came into the palace at a pretty young age and grew up like that. I guess we'll have to watch it to find out. Yeah. So next up is a drama called Reflection of You, which is airing on the 13th of October. It's a Wednesday-Thursday drama airing on JTBC and also available to watch on Netflix. 16 episodes, also 70 minutes. Uh, And this one is a bit of sort of thriller slash mellow. It stars Go Hyun Jung, Shin Hyun Bin and Kim Jae Young. And you have Go Hyun Jung, returning to Dramaland after a very long time, playing a character called Hiju, who is a successful painter and essayist who had a poor time during her youthful days. Her husband is the successor of a hospital and they have two children. Her family life seems enviable, but Hiju feels like she's spending her time meaninglessly. And in this time, Hiju meets a woman called Gu Hyewon, who is played by Shin Hyun Bin, and that woman is poor, just like Hiju was in her younger days, but she still shines. It's a story of love, betrayal, corruption, and revenge that takes place through the life of a woman who's been faithful to her desire and another woman who's lost the light of her life. Hmm. This is a very... I'm not sure what to make of the drama. Sounds kind of penthouse though. But it is from the writer of Just Between Lovers, Yubora, who was also one of the co-writers on Secret. Yeah. Yeah. Also, um, the drama focuses on the relationship between the women more than it seems to focus on like family drama and drama, class drama. So maybe it is more like the dynamic between the two women and that might make for interesting storytelling because that doesn't really happen often. Yeah, it's really like it's difficult to gauge what kind of capacity that they meet in or how they connect. And hmm. I mean, they the trailer makes it seem like it's a very antagonistic relationship. That's for yeah. sure. <laughs> um, it's a very high, high tension kind mm. of uh, very, you know, full of screaming. And I don't know, like I love this writer, but I also don't feel like i want to see this story of two women who are like trying to or one of them is trying to destroy the other which is what the trailer makes it seem like so oh it's also i forgot to say it's adapted from a novel called someone who looks like you by uh jong soyeon so that sort of i don't know Mm. seems to tell us a little bit about the drama i'm also a little thrown off by the fact that this like secondary lead i guess the or the the second lead of the I don't know. I feel like the w- two women are co-leads, but the woman who shows up in Go Hyun Jung's life is played by the um, Gyeol from Hospital Playlist. And this is, is such a her? different role. Yeah, that I was like, I know this actress. Where oh, do I? And I couldn't no. recognize her until I looked at the filmography. <laughs> it's it's such head. a different role. The same person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I've just recognized <laughs> Kim Jae-young as he was the guy from Secret Boutique who was this very 
tragic and lovable character but also really sad <laughs> i mean it's a great cast it's got Che Wan young and kim sung ho and like it's a it's an amazing cast i just mm. don't know about the story if i'm gonna be into that yeah. um i'm i'm like having a hard time watching things with even the slightest amount of tension in them right now just because i'm so stressed out by life one of the genre tags is betrayal so revenge right all sorts yeah. of dark unfun stuff the only kind of revenge dramas that i can usually swallow are like the whole graceful family type but it's like hilarious and this dumb. does seem like that genre though but it doesn't seem funny at all okay no, yeah, not, it not funny the tone is really serious it's serious yeah. it's not like a it's not like a wink wink nod yeah. nod here's revenge and betrayal Actually, i think it is more thing. secret boutique which was that Kim Sona drama, I think, a couple of years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so that's that. Um, the next one we're going to talk about is My Name, which is going to premiere on the 15th of October. Um, and it's, I think, just once a week. It's eight episodes, 50 minutes long. It's going to air on Fridays on Netflix. I think it's going to drop all at once. Is it? It does seem like it, because it's one of those Netflix onlys. Perhaps it will. So then it'll probably just be one season all at once, like uh, Squid Game. So it stars Han Sohee. An Hyun and Park Hee-soon, and the premise goes like this. Following her father's murder, a revenge-driven woman puts her trust in a powerful crime boss and enters the police force under his direction. Yoon Ji-woo, who's played by Han So-hee, a member of the organized crime ring, goes undercover as a police officer and harbors cold revenge in her heart. Helping her go undercover is Che Mu jin who's played by Park Hee-soon, the boss of the biggest drug ring in Korea, Great casting, by the way. <laughs> Whose true it. motives are not easy to read. I love Pakistan. <laughs> he's great. And he's so perfect yeah. for this. And then uh, John Pildo, who's played by An Bohyan, is a police detective in the drug investigation unit. He's a stickler for rules who becomes Yoon Ji-woo's partner when she be- joins the police. Others on the investigation team are sworn enemies of Che Mujin. While Che has the steadfast loyalty of one of his henchmen, another one is out to betray him. So we love Han Sohee, first of all. We absolutely love her and she's most recently known for Nevertheless and before that was the world of the married. And I I am so, so, so happy to see her in a story like this because the woman deserves a story like this after Nevertheless. I mean, which was great, but yeah, she really needs this. I really need to see her in this. Yeah, the trailer looks so good. I haven't seen any Han Sohee dramas. Didn't you watch Abyss? she in that? Yeah. So I completely like do not remember her in Abyss at all, but I can see that it's in her <laughs> credits. Oh. But also, I'm also really excited about An Bo Hyun, especially because I'm watching Yumi Selms and he's in it. He plays Wunga. Wungi? Go Wung. And, you know, on An Bo Hyun, like, I really hated his face when he first showed up on my radar, which is when he was the um, best friend of the heroine in my private life. And he was just yeah, like yeah, really yeah. overbearing. He was just, um, but he like kind of redeemed himself by the end. Like he apologized for being a crappy friend and they reconciled. And I was like, okay, he's fine. Whatever. Like he looks good in a judo uniform <laughs> and he, and he plays with, and he like has cute little five-year-old students who fall in a cute way. Uh, I, I can't hate you. And then, I watched Kairos and he like totally blew me away with his performance in that. Just like so chilling and creepy and like hot. I'm sorry. <laughs> but like, you know, just the, the the vibe like of him being like really evil and terrible, but you also understood him and we rooted for him, um, even though you didn't want him to win. Uh, I really, really 
enjoyed him in that. And so I'm excited to see him in his future projects. I haven't seen, I haven't started Yumi Cells yet. Start like Yumi Cells. Okay, list. I have made it my life's mission to make I people to watch Yumi Cells. <laughs> I couldn't watch Yumi Cells. You made a poor choice. <laughs> All right. Um, okay. I have to provide content for the podcast, Forma. <laughs> that's that's true. Like, especially because I'm clearly not um, <laughs> doing my part here. <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited about the combination of this, uh, these two. But also, Ansoe's, like, character arc here is just, I mean, we all watched the trailer, right? It was... She's so good. Yeah. yeah the trailer looks amazing. And I, I'm, in, I'm intrigued by, on one hand, you could say, oh, it's like the, you know, the physically strong woman kicking butt kind of trope. But I think it's interesting in the, in the sense that, like, she has this sort of revenge, um, like, she finds out the cops were responsible for her dad's murder. And then she, I guess, approaches this crime boss for some reason. And she's like, I'm going to enter the police force. And he's like, yeah, do it. And so, like, it's not like he's controlling her. It's more like they've made this interesting partnership and then she's entered the police force. And so she's kind of like living a double life, which is always Mm. fun, you know. Um, And then you can kind of see it going in a direction where, like, she has her partner on one side who, you know, she needs to develop a trusting relationship with. But then on the other hand, her whole reason for being in the police is to you know infiltrate it from the inside and so she's her his enemy in a way yeah so you know that always is is provides great tension and drama there's a quite chilling line in the trailer where she says you know that she gave up her name to seek revenge and i find that a really interesting driving force in the drama she's in that nothing to lose kind of place yeah yeah so should be good. At which point, I suppose the only thing that starts making you think in human terms again is um, forming new connections. Right. Yeah. That that should actually be really interesting to watch. Um, I have uh, some thoughts about how towards the end of the trailer, it kind of seemed as if the crime boss was like, basically... What I'm afraid might happen, again, afraid because this is not the kind of ending that I would want in a story like this, is uh, she will find out that it was really the crime boss who was responsible for the death of her father. And he had sent her in this mission in the police force for his own nefarious purposes or something like that. Oh, I hope not, because Pakistan can't be bad. Even when he's bad, he can't be bad. I'm sorry. Have you seen his movies? <laughs> oh, I don't right. watch his movies. <laughs> watch his dramas. He's so good at being bad. Oh. I am just putting it out there. It's like you know, you know how that jinxing thing works, where you know, you when you fear something, you say it out loud so that you're like free of that jinx, so it doesn't happen. <laughs> That's what I do with What's Up in Drama Land. Okay, so it's not my turn. Is it my turn? <laughs> no, it's Anissa's. <laughs> okay. So the next one uh, we are talking about is kind of, I have weird feelings about this because, okay, let me just tell you what it is first and then I'll I'll tell you. So it's called Jiri-san. It's airing on the 23rd of October. It's a Saturday-Sunday drama on both TVN and ITE. It's going to be 16 70-minute episodes and it's a mystery thriller starring Jun Ji-hyun and Ju Ji-hoon. Um, it's also got Sung Dong-il and Oh Jung-se in it, both of whom we love very much. And it's by... Our beloved Kim Eun-hee, writer of Signal and Kingdom, which is why, although I would normally not be into a, a drama about mountain park rangers, <laughs> I'm like watching this. <laughs> so <laughs> the drama is set against the backdrop of towering views of Mount Jiri or Jirisan, where rangers and other employees of the Jirisan National Park climb through the mysterious and unexplored regions of the mountain, trying to rescue the survivors and lost trekkers. So Yikang, 
that's Jun Ji-hen, is the park's top ranger who has vast experience in navigation, making her knowledgeable when it comes to tracking down lost individuals. One day, she becomes a partner of Kang Hyun-jo, which is Joo Ji-hoon, a rookie park ranger who's a military academy graduate and an ex-lieutenant who experienced a horrific incident on Jiri-san, which led him to become a ranger. And the drama is centered around a mystery surrounding the mountain's many visitors, those who come to kill and those who come to end their lives. And I just want to uh, add that like, I'm intrigued by this being set on a mountain because um, 70% of Korea's landmass is actually mountainous. And I was thinking about the fact that we never really see things that are set in the mountains, mm. and yet they are such a large presence, like in the in the landscape, mm. and even like I'm sure psychologically. And if you watch a lot of variety shows, um, people go to the mountains a lot for like hiking, and mm. like it's a very big part of people's sort of like leisure activities and their you know exercise activities. So it's just interesting that we've never really seen like the dramas are always like in cities mm. and very like urban or even settings, coastal towns, right, or coastal regions, yeah, and like just from a purely logistical perspective mountains would probably be pretty hard to film I'm in. I'm sure mm. that's true. Probably really expensive to film in and you gotta pay a lot of insurance mm. and stuff um, but yeah, just a thought I had are you guys excited for this? Very this is also from the director of like Goblin, Descendants of the Sun. Um, that's right that's right. Young book. Yeah basically big dramas that were very very beautiful. Big shiny Kim Eun-suk dramas <laughs> <laughs> also that <laughs> yeah yeah and it's been like pushed a whole bunch of times yeah. so we kept thinking it was coming and then it got delayed so i'm excited for this too even though it's a weird topic don't you feel like we've been waiting for this drama for like at least two years at this point i know i've been waiting for signal two <laughs> for a few years <laughs> i don't know about this and apparently we've been waiting for a while longer <laughs> Do you know how long you've been waiting for Signal 2? Four years. Uh, Five years. Five years, I can't believe it. Yeah. Sorry, I keep forgetting it's actually 2021 because <laughs> I'm stuck in 2020. Yeah. yeah. So I'm excited about this, especially after Ashen from the North because Jun Ji Hyun, so I really like Jun Ji Hyun. And of course, I mean, Jun Ji Hyun too, but we'll talk about him here in a second. <laughs> um, I really like Jun Ji Hyun and I, I mean, again, uh, Sai and I were talking about how she wasn't like... Um, she inspiring. wasn't treated the best and okay maybe she was not that inspiring legend of the blue sea but i've really just always liked her in on screen there's just i like her presence and i have never seen her in something like this before so i am really again ashen of the north kind of made me realize that she would do really well in a role like this and the trailer mm -hmm. was pretty terrific so i i, I yeah her lacklusterness it. or the lacklusterness of legend of the blue sea had nothing to do with her like it was not on her at all yeah but i agree that it was not very satisfying yeah she didn't have much to do in that but yeah this this looks i'm really excited about this one yeah yeah. But it yeah. is for a Kimini drama, basically. But it's kind of interesting that they have Judy Hyun and um, Joji Hyun in the same drama, given their kingdom association. <laughs> oh, is Joji? Oh, yeah, he is. He is. He's well, like the main, but, main lead, right? I mean, sometimes, you know, writers just really like certain yeah. actors and they really love how they handle mm. their material. And the, so they just want to keep working yeah. with them over and over again. Yeah, so probably. It might be one of those. I mean, it's know. probably kind of coincidental, but I also think like, I mean, if, if you wanted oh, to cast it on the... wouldn't say incidental. Oh, okay then. <laughs> I was trying to be diplomatic. I mean, it's okay. It's not like offensive <laughs> to say that she picks the same actors. They do. That is a thing that people do. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you wanted to cash in on the popularity of Kingdom, this would be actually a really good way of doing it. And the roles are wildly different, so people might not even actually 
um, initially understand. Like these actors are really... Rather than it being a cash-in, I just think it's that, you know, it is that the writer and director, like they gain an affinity with certain actors and they tend to reuse them. Like if you think about Hong Sisters dramas Mm -hmm. and how they have this recurring cast in every Hong Sisters drama and they just... Also, um, Nohee Kyung is really known for doing this. She really uses a lot of her actors over and over again. Mm. Um, That's the screenwriter for It's Okay, That's Love, Dear My Friends, That Winter the Wind Blows, um, a lot of really big Mm. live. So, like, she does that a lot. Lots of writers do. Yeah. And especially not necessarily even the main actors, although those two, but a lot of time, yeah, a lot of the veteran actors. Yeah, a lot of time it's the side characters and the secondary ones. Yeah, yeah, the supporting, she uses them again. Like, she really likes uh, Kwang Su. <laughs> she's like one of the only writers that gives him roles. <laughs> Joan Sung, a lot of the big name veteran yeah. actors. Yeah. Mm. So it's definitely a thing. Yeah. And they don't need to cash in. I mean, they're so big, whatever they do, it's an automatic payday, I hope. One would hope, yes. Yeah, but like, they still have to make sure the ratings is high enough. So, yeah. and the thing is, I think Jurison with its cast and with the stellar crew, it, they're probably going to be a pretty big one, but it's not in one of those genres that draws in like huge ratings. So it would be interesting to see how it performs. But it is on Netflix, so. No, no, no it's, no, it's not. not. It's TV oh, is it not? ITE. Oh, mm. yeah. Oh, you're quite so right. Why did different. I think it was on Netflix? Because yeah. I can't read. Because of the kingdom. <laughs> association. Oh, kingdom, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're right. Yeah. But it does make sense because it seems like the type that would be more um, accessible to a a domestic or at least an Asian audience. So to keep it on TV and IT, Mm. that makes more sense. Mm. Yeah. Should we move on to the next one? Yes. Okay. So the next drama that we are covering is called Would You Like a Cup of Coffee? It starts airing on 24th October. It's Thursday, Sunday drama. And it's a Dam Kakao TV production. Um, it's kind of a web drama, but it's just long enough to kind of make it to our list. Uh, it's 12 episodes, 30 minutes each. Um, the genre is kind of slice of life. Since we don't have a trailer for this yet, we are kind of really going off the little bit of data we have. The cast comprises of Ong Sung Woo, um, whom I loved in a Moment at 18 and recently watched at More Than Friends. Um, well, he was also pretty good. And you have Pak Ho-san. And I am going to just dive right into the synopsis because otherwise we will have nothing to discuss. <laughs> so, uh, Kang Gobi, that's Ong Sung Woo, has a passion for coffee that leads him to become a rookie barista at a coffee shop owned by Pak Seok. That's Pak Ho-san. So, Kang Gobi learns about coffee and people through Pak Seok's life lessons. That's it. <laughs> Is his actual name is his name Kopi? literally Kopi? Yeah. yeah. Is it like actually Kopi? Oh, you're right. His name is Kopi. I think his name literally means coffee. I think that's one of those really on the nose. I mean, un- um, unless you really pronounce it like differently the way I just did, where I didn't actually see the coffee association, so I was calling it Kangobi. But of course, it wouldn't be like that. It was Ko- Kopi. So yeah, it is coffee. You're right. Damn it. <laughs> it's Kangobi. <laughs> Yeah, there's no way that that's a coincidence. Yeah, of course huh. it's not. It's a drama. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's like a 12, 30-minute episode slice-of-life drama about a barista. So it's not... I think that's like the perfect length for something like this that doesn't really have much of a plot. This actually makes me think it's it's kind of more in the Navillera, um, you know, a genre of things, except not that heavy. Um, yeah. Yeah, this seems like something you could put on in the background and sort of watch. With the whole, you know, mentor, the mentor-mentee relationship, slice of life, um, 
simple life lessons type thing. Mm. Sounds cute and uh, low stress, which is always something that we like to keep in our back pockets. That's true. For those tough days. (laughs) Should we go on to the next one? Yeah. Next up is Crime Puzzle, which is on the 29th of October on Fridays or a Friday. I'm not sure if it's (laughs) a single drop or a, you know, weekly. This is airing on... uh, Olle TV, which is something that Anissa is going to tell you what it is in a minute. It's 10 episodes, 70 minutes, and it stars uh, Yoon Kesang and Goa Sung. And Crime Puzzle is a story where a criminal psychologist is sent to prison for murdering a political candidate. And the criminal profiler who loses her father to the murder is conducting interviews with the murderer for a case that occurs within the prison. So I'm guessing that the criminal psychologist who murdered... The candidate is Yoon Kesang. Yoon Kesang. <laughs> Can't I say his name? Um, and the detective profiler lady is Go Asung. And these two used to be lovers just a year ago until they meet again as a murderer and a criminal profiler, and they face the unexpected truth to a series of murders. The thriller focuses on the process of them putting the pieces together like a puzzle. So I wasn't 100% sure if this was a web drama or what indeed Olle TV is. <laughs> so it seems like it's just uh, it's just a streaming service okay. that you can access from your TV or your computer or your phone, your tablet, whatever. Yeah, I think it's just a Korean streaming service. Cool. And I think these are one episode a week. Okay. But I have a feeling it might be one of those where like it's a video on demand service, um, but also now they're maybe getting into original programming uh. perhaps. So maybe this is their first attempt at like an original you know, content, yeah. like the way that Netflix started making their original content. So I mean, this is a big cast. It's a great cast. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also not the usual genre that that kind of web drama style goes for. So it does seem a lot less like a web drama and a lot more like a proper drama. No, it's more DVN or CN-ish. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a web drama. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a web drama. No, but it does seem to be like a one episode a week type thing. Yeah. Um, and mm. it's airing at the end of October, so we probably have the trailer by mid October and get mm. a proper I'm idea. I'm very curious about this. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to tell what the tone is going to be. Like, is this is this going to be like the kind of drama where you have two people in a room cycling <laughs> each other out for an hour? I would like that. I honestly, that would be awesome. I mean, because there there are like English language things like that, which I can't remember the name of right now, but that is a style, mm. right? Which mm. could be pretty interesting. I'm also curious whether it's going to be um, like kind of sickening to watch if, you know, Yoon Kesang is the actual murderer and it's one of those things of like, let's try to figure out how a murderer's psyche oh, works no. and him being like pushing uh, his crimes and his like whatever his gross things about about like how he feels about the people he's killed in your face the way that like the dad in um oh come and hug me this is fresh in my mind because yeah like the dad in come and hug me like one of the reasons i draw ended up dropping that was because of how uncomfortable i was with how continuously they just kept focusing on the perspective of the serial killer in a really gross way yeah or it might be that like yunke song is falsely accused and he's just in prison for the murder and she's gonna it, it does uh, seem more like that you know, or even figure that out at some point yeah and then so like they're gonna start out as adversaries but then eventually they're gonna be allies you know that would I think I would be more into that it's also like possible that. that it's more silence of the Lambie that he's not completely innocent but maybe innocent of the crimes he's been accused of so he helps her figure out what the puzzle is which actually would be really interesting well to he's watch. great at ambiguity mm-hmm. I mean he can do anything yeah he's He's amazing. Yeah. And Goa Sung, I think the last time I saw her was in Life on Mars, and she's just so 
love her. I love her. Yeah. I love her. Yeah. I think the last thing I saw her in was um, Radiant Office. And she just was radiant. <laughs> I mean, she made that drama come to life. She she glowed in yeah. that. I loved her. Okay, I have to defend Come and Hug Me a bit because I really like it. <laughs> I like how you're holding it in and now you're letting it out. No, I'm sorry. For, I'm sorry for anyone who who liked it. I, I just, think a lot of people really love it. There were parts of it that I really liked. No, I just no. couldn't. I just I just, that. I just wanted to put in why the trauma focused so much on the serial killer's perspective and it's perfectly okay not to like that. It, it, they did it because the entire point of the story was that when TV gets a story like that, they keep focusing on the most gruesome things and how it affects the victim's family. So it was almost like a meta thing where the story, the drama itself was focusing on it because the TV coverage was focusing on it and the story was about how the victim's and their families were right. dealing with that kind of coverage. So, And I understood that, but I just didn't enjoy watching it. And I just got to a point where, like, I wasn't having perfectly fun anymore. Fair, perfectly <laughs> fair. I just want to also, like, put this out there. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And I know I know some of our listeners really, really like that show. So I don't want to, you know, I which is why I actually started watching it. But yeah, I mean, it's ev- everything isn't for everyone. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yes, exactly. And I think I might have finished it if I was watching it alone. But because I was watching it with my family and they really like we were all kind of like, uh, you know, like when one person is kind of like, uh, and the other two are like, yeah, let's keep watching it. Then you're, there's more moments. <laughs> but when everyone's kind of like, uh, then... <laughs> And then you're then you're like, let's watch something else. Mm. <laughs> so. And there are a lot of things right now that you can watch. There are a lot of things to watch. Yeah. yeah. So next one. The next one is a drama called well, I'm gonna call it Chimera, but I noticed that the the Hangul makes it Kimaira, which is a bit weird for me. So I'm just gonna call it Chimera. Oh, is that how you pronounce it in British? How English? do you pronounce it? Chimera. Oh, weird. Okay. I've always been torn well. between the two. <laughs> Well, we shall all call it something different. Yeah, exactly. We can <laughs> and Borma can decide what she wants to call it each I'll time. I occasionally call it Chimera, occasionally call it Chimera, and I'm or, right or both times. Or you can call it Chimera, which is what they're calling it in, in English. The, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and none of us will know which one is the actual correct one. So that <laughs> airs on the 30th of October. It's a Saturday-Sunday drama airing on OCN, 16 episodes of 60 Minutes, and it stars Park Hesu. Uh, not the one you think. Lee Hee Jun <laughs> and Kim Soo Hyun again, not the one you think. <laughs> so, <laughs> so in Kimera, a present day case is found to be related to an explosion and a series of murders in 1984 known as the Kimera Incident. The story follows a violent crimes detective named Jae Hwan, who is played by Park Hae Soo, uh, a criminal profiler named Yoo Jin, played by Kim Soo Hyun, and a surgeon named Jung Yeob played by Lee Hee-jun, as they track down the criminal and uncover the secrets between the two cases. So if you watch the trailer, you will notice that it opens by saying, like, telling us what the chimera is, which is a person who has two DNA profiles. I don't know if that's really a thing, but it sounds interesting. It's pretty dark. What do you guys think? Um, Before we move on to what we think, I just want to say, Pakesu, it might be the one that people think, <laughs> because he's in Squid Game, so, oh! and that's apparently the biggest show in the world now, so <laughs> that, that might be a Pakesu that people know. That's so true. So he's the one who plays Sangu, um, who is the kind of the childhood dongsang of yeah. uh, the main character. Do you know what? I put this together um, yesterday and I instantly recognized it, and now I'm working on the document and not not the pictures so i just completely forgot in between yesterday and today 
<laughs> Even though I wrote this saying, Pakisu last seen in Squid Game as Sangu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's a, I, I haven't seen him in anything before Squid Game, but he did make an impression on me for sure. He's really, <laughs> he's really a good actor. And I've missed Ihe Jun. I like him a lot. I haven't seen him in anything in a while. But are you going to watch this? Are you guys excited for this? I'm going to check this out. This looks good. Yeah, it's not really my genre, so probably not. It is mine, though. <laughs> All right, Saya, you can watch it and uh, report back to us then. <laughs> I will report back to you in 2024. You're being optimistic, Saya. <laughs> I'm realistic. Eventually, when you finally have time. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, I haven't watched Mouse yet, so, you know, which was the last drama Hichin was in. Yeah, the um, this is one of those rare dramas where, like, it, it sounds a bit dark and then you watch the trailer and it's a lot darker than it sounds like that was my impression so um just fair warning as you go in it it at least seems from the promotions as being very dark and it is an ocn drama so it wouldn't be surprising like one of the tags for this on my drama list is death like not just murder (laughs) murder also is there but death which i don't think i've seen before (laughs) that's encouraging yeah where there's murder there usually is death so good to know. You, yeah, usually it's not tagged additionally, though. Sorry. <laughs> did, did you guys know that there was going to be a Korean version of Money Heist and Park yeah. was going to lead it? Oh. I knew about Korean version of Money Heist. I just realized that he's going to be in yeah. it. Like, just now when I looked at his filmography. So. Yeah, I mean, that's a big, definitely, I can see why you'd want that. Also, back to this drama, with its whole opening case of an explosion and murders in 1984, I just watched the first episode of Hometown, which is super creepy. I tried to watch it twice in the night and I was like, no, 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 need to do this in the day. <laughs> but that also opens with this kind of terrorist incident and yeah they kind of seem like they belong in the same wheelhouse yeah what's interesting is this is um by a screenwriter whose previous credits are really um comedies oh no okay yeah like this person did ex-girlfriend club Uh, which is kind of about revenge but really i think it ended up being a story of like all the ex-girlfriends becoming friends with each other and taking revenge on their crappy ex-boyfriend yeah i remember this um (laughs) and then call of the country is like a cheesy comedic police drama about like a bad police woman so i'm i'm like I'm interested to see how this person is switching so differently in tone. Well, maybe this is the drama they always wanted to write. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, that's interesting. So for the final October premiere, we have Inspector Goo. And this one is going to start airing absolutely at the end of October, 30th October. It's a Saturday-Sunday drama, JTBC. 12 episodes, 70 minutes each. So it's supposed to be a kind of black comedy. It stars Lee Young-A and Kim Hee-Jun. So diving into the synopsis. A hard-boiled investigative comedy drama that centers around the insurance investigator Koo Kyung-hee, who's played <laughs> by Lee Young-hee, <laughs> who investigates a murder case. Koo Young-hee is an intelligent woman who solves cold cases for the thrill of cracking the case rather than for bringing justice to the world. You know, I don't think it matters so long as she cracks the case, though. Like, that is justice to the world. That's probably her philosophy. But you have to have the right intention. That is just dumbass. Okay. By hook or by crook, she ferociously chases the truth behind every case. Okay, maybe by hook, by crook is not like the best way of doing these things. A college student who is a serial killer plots an accidental murder case to defraud her insurance money. That is, I suppose, the case we are actually going to be, uh, you know, setting the story around. 
that's it. That's all we got. We don't really have anything else. So this is really funny because like the name of the drama is Inspector Gu, but the name of the character that Yeonghae plays is Gu Kyongi, which means Inspector Gu. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I just find that really yeah. funny. So this is like, it's one of those where like they're pursuing you know, justice, but they don't really care. <laughs> so it's like that kind of lackadaisical hero who is doing um, less than noble things in the pursuit of their goals. And that's a pretty classic trope, I think. It's a pretty classic cop drama trope. I wonder if this is going to be like that show that you guys like, and I can't remember what it's called, with the Ajumma detective. Oh, oh, oh Mr. Queen. Queen of Mysteries. Mr. Queen. Yeah, yeah. that one. <laughs> it does seem kind of like more on the funny yeah, side. Similar. I mean, um, yeah. if she was the detective and the inspector both put together, I mean, I guess that would make a lot of sense. I really like her. <laughs> I don't think I've seen Eeyong A in anything before. Have I? I've seen her in Saimdang, which only I like. <laughs> yeah, she's does. one of those like original Hallyu stars yeah. from like she was you know ju- in Jewel in the Palace, which is like yeah, exactly. So she's like a basically a queen. She's done a lot of dramas between 1993 and 2003. Yeah, she's like a classic. Yeah, early Hallyu kind of mainstay, and then she was out of acting for quite a long time and she came back in yeah. Saimdang which everyone found really disappointing. I think Saimdang also just was never going to be able to live up to the hype of Yeonghae's return yeah. after God knows how long. Taejanggum was 2003, Saimdang was 2017 so that's a you know 50-14 year gap. Yeah yeah, and she didn't do anything in between that. Yeah she was like just doing family stuff uh, right? at least yeah like living her life not yeah not drama stuff exactly yeah yeah she did a couple of she did some movies but even her movies were pretty you know few and far like she did sympathy for lady mm. vengeance oh yeah that's right and that was huge but after that she didn't do another movie for um 12 years wow after sympathy for lady vengeance i just found out that the voice like the car guide voice in taxi yeah. driver <laughs> Oh, yeah, because it came up in the credits every week and I was like, oh, (laughs) it's really fun. I did not notice that. This is really cool. Yeah. But I saw the trailer. So it's less of a trailer, more like a tiny teaser. And uh, I really Mm. like the vibe of it. See, is she, it's like, is she, it, it really focuses on her and her like being one of those crazy, you know, crime solving people who are like completely consumed by the whole thing. But it's also like she's a bit insane. And I like it. I like it when uh, stories are kind of like that. (laughs) So it kind of seems funny too. Especially when when she's probably going to be allowed to be very nutty. It's it's again, it's one of those um, characters where now that you're an older woman, you're allowed to just be a little bit mad. I love it. I'm ready. Which... I just want to put in here, like Honey Lee's currently airing drama, Wonder Woman. Yeah, mm. it's exactly what we expected. And it's great. <laughs> it's great. Oh, I've, I need to. Why are there so many dramas yeah. that I want to watch? No time. Yeah, there's no time. <laughs> I am enjoying the heck out of it. I've heard lots of good things about it as well. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, hopefully we'll have seen some of these by the time we come back for another yak. Mm-hmm. That's the hope. Yeah. Any other thoughts on the show before we wrap up? I guess we have to wrap up so that we can go and watch more dramas. Yes. yes. And these two have to record their Squid Game <laughs> episode. <laughs> okay, guys. Thank you for listening to us. As usual, you can find us. You can find us on Twitter at Dramas Overflow. And individually, you can find me at Not Now Saya. And you can find me at Anisa Khalifa underscore. 
And you can find me, Parma, at Festa Foster. You can also sign up for our newsletter, which is now mostly used to a lot of people when we do live streams. And we are also planning on releasing a monthly roundup of the episodes that we release. So that would be a good way to catch up with us. So sign up for that in the link below. And find us on Instagram at dramasoverflowers underscore. And we are also on Facebook where you can just search for Dramas Over Flowers and you'll find us. Yes, and you can find our writings and other fun stuff on the website at dramasoverflowers.net. And you can email us at dramasoverflowers at gmail.com. Dramas Over Flowers is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. And that's all. That's all. Yay, we finished. Bye, Bye. guys. Bye.